You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. I've got Greg Barnes with me, Ross Martin, off in uh, the wonderment of New Year's Eve somewhere. Greg joins me after Carolina's win over Yale last night for the Inside Carolina On The Beat podcast. Greg, I'll get it started right out. I mean, it was game to watch. Carolina showed some improvement at times, had so many of the same issues they've had all season. But I guess the biggest deal, and I know Sherelle and Sean and John talked about it, but the biggest deal from the game is the injury to Anthony Harris. I mean, just an absolutely brutal moment for that kid. He has worked as hard as he could to get back. He's played in five games. He goes down with an apparent major knee injury i guess we'll find out later today your thoughts on what you saw greg what you saw in the locker room afterwards yeah i think there's this recognition of of what anthony harris has done to work back i mean it was it was december of last year uh, when he suffered the knee injury to his his left knee uh, acl deal and uh, that is just a a gruesome injury and it it requires a lot of hard work to, to come back from and the fact that that harris and jeremiah francis uh, were able to come back as quickly as they did and really provide a, a boost for UNC as quickly as they did it is, is arguably the, the best storyline of, of the first two months of the season. And, uh, and when we were in Vegas uh, after North Carolina beat UCLA, Jeremiah Francis spoke to that relationship and how uh, they had really bonded and, you know, they, they kept each other up and, uh, you know, Roy Williams, Brought out the, the Tyler Hansbrough name in terms of how hard those guys worked in the, the weight room, which, which speaks volumes. Roy Williams does not toss around Tyler's name very often. Uh, and so for, for him to uh, go down the way he did, um, you know, not to not to speculate, but when you see a young man uh, drive and really, from my vantage point, there was no contact whatsoever and his knee just buckled underneath him. That That's not a good sign. Uh, and, you know, I, I watched Leslie McDonald at a North Carolina Pro-Am event pretty much did the exact same thing. Nobody was around him. His knee buckled, and uh, we, we know how that turned out. Oh, not good. And a lot of people kind of wondering, you know, with ACL, yes, you can get back up and, and walk off. Uh, you can walk under your power. You just really lose the ability to put a lot of uh, strenuous activity on that knee without uh, injury. So hopefully uh, it, it's not that severe. Uh, but as you said, we'll find out a little bit more, uh, hopefully today. Yeah, full disclosure, we're recording this early morning on New Year's Eve. So that news will come out later today. Um, hope for the best for Anthony Harris. Um, just did not look good, Greg. And what that does, um, he provided a spark along with Jeremiah Francis. But what I, what that does, I think, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, is I think it puts Christian Keeling back in the crosshairs of needing to step up for this team. They're somewhat similar players. Um, Keeling sort of slid down the bench as Francis and Harris have come back, but now Keeling's got to play. I mean, he's Carolina's got to get something from Christian Keeling, especially with Cole Anthony still out. 
Yeah, I'd throw Andrew Playtech in there as well. Uh, Playtech, of course, missed the hell game with a sprained ankle, uh, and he became Tar Heel number eight to miss game time this year due to injury, which is just incredible uh, in, in a bad way, obviously. But Anthony Harris, really what he brought in the little bit of time that we, we got to see him was, was kind of energy and toughness. Uh, and, and really seemed to have the, the, the makings of a very solid defensive player. Um, yes, he's got to work on his shot some, uh, but he, he's an aggressive kid, kind of can get to the rim, and uh, you see him being a very good uh, very good player in transition. Keeling is really more of just kind of a, a scoring guard, and that's why I say Playtech, because Playtech at times can be a, a good defender. Um, and I think that's really what they're going to miss most if, if Harris is, is out for a significant period of time. But undoubtedly, when we talk about this this backcourt, North Carolina uh, will, will benefit greatly, obviously, when Cole Anthony comes back. But you've got to have some guys that can come off the bench. And as Roy Williams always says, you know, when you come off the bench, you, you don't necessarily have to help the team. Do not hurt the team. Do your part, uh, be productive, give give good good minutes, and that's really where Playtech and Keeling have really struggled this year. And they have to be more consistent. We've seen good flashes from them. They've got to be able to do that game in game and game out, especially now that we're entering ACC play, because all those games are going to be tough. North Carolina, I think it's a good thing that they get some some of the weaker opponents early in the slate, so maybe you can carve out some victories even without Cole Anthony on the court. Uh, but but that consistency is what's really lacking. And it, it appeared that Harris provided that just in a number of games that he was able to play. Yeah, when I look at Keeling and Harris play, you're right. Harris is sort of the energy defensive guy but could score. Keeling hasn't shown the ability on that defensive side. Greg, another guy, another grad transfer, and I don't really want to go through player by player, but it's relevant, is Justin Pierce. I mean, Pierce looked good against Yale and Yale a lot of people say oh Yale is Yale Ivy League school whatever that's a good basketball team would be surprised if they're not in the NCAA tournament but my point earlier when we were talking off air Pierce has looked really good against UNC Wilmington and Yale and he's had some moments here and there against other higher level competition but he's also disappeared um against higher level competition. And you mentioned the ACC, you mentioned the lesser opponents early, but it's still the ACC. And Georgia Tech on Saturday, they're going to be physical. They're going to be good. I mean, Justin Pierce is fascinating to watch. I see his highlights from William and Mary, and I see a guy that was appeared to be pretty athletic, um, aggressive, and he finally showed that last night against Yale. What has to happen for that? to be a consistent thing for Roy Williams in North Carolina. I really think with Justin, this is, and this goes with Keeling as well, I think it's a matter of confidence. Um, I think you, when, when Pierce played well at UCW, I really thought that was a significant moment for him because it would serve as a stepping stone that, hey, uh, I can play at this level. Uh, you know, I think I could be a, a key piece of this team, and he needs to be. Um, but as you mentioned, that really hasn't happened. And so even when they're playing you know, a team that's not very good in UCLA, but UCLA has some big bodies. They may not, McCronin may not have them doing what he wants them to do right now. I mean, they just lost to Cal State Fullerton, which was uh, a very bad loss for that program. Uh, but 
you know, they've, they've got some skill, they've got size. And I think more than anything, that's really been the issue for Pierce is, you know, when you, when you go up against legitimate size where you're not the most athletic guy on the court uh, and you're certainly not any more athletic than your competition and maybe shorter, how do you respond when you can't just rely on sheer size and ability? Uh, and that's where you have to be crafty. That's where you have to be tough. That's where you have to be confident in your, in your abilities uh, to find a way. And for whatever reason, that has been a tough transition for, for both of these grad transfers. I do think Yale's a quality team. Uh, it would not surprise me to see them back in the NCAA tournament. I think they're certainly a lot better than than UCLA and and, and Wofford for sure. Um, and they, I mean, they beat Clemson by I think nine points down at Little John. So that that's something you can build on. And uh, I think most importantly is with with Baycott uh, kind of being in his funk and getting in foul trouble yet again early which seems to kind of knock him out of these games. Uh, Pierce had to come in and had to give them good minutes. It's not like they you know, they were hoping that he would come in and just you know, kind of add to whatever they were doing. They needed him to come in and play well, and he did that. And he did it by being aggressive, and uh, to me that's kind of a good sign of, of confidence is if, if you're playing assertive and you're playing aggressive, uh, you, you kind of have a trust in what you're you're doing. That has to continue. That has to be – something that he's able to do consistently throughout ACC play um, because there are going to be games when Baycott and, and even Brooks have off games. And there's going to be games where there's matchup issues and you want to stretch four out there. That's the player that Justin Pierce is, but he's got to be able to play up to that ability uh, every night in order for this team to kind of reach some of his goals. Let me take a short second to talk about Johnny T-Shirt. JohnnyT-Shirt.com, of course, sponsors of this podcast, great friends of Inside Carolina. Got all your Carolina gear that you need. Uh, you know, anything you want Carolina-related, Johnny T-Shirt has it. If you missed out on the Christmas season, they're still there on Franklin Street and willing to serve and willing to be um, great customer service folks for you to go get whatever you need for your Carolina needs. And if you can't get to Franklin Street, you can certainly do it online. JohnnyT-Shirt.com basketball, football, baseball coming up here in the spring, uh, soccer, anything you need, Carolina-related, and get your tailgate supplies for next season in the Bowls lot. Come see us down there during football season. Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com, and, of course, Inside Carolina Premium subscribers, 10% off your everyday order, both online and in-store. Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We thank them for being sponsors of this podcast. Greg, let's talk a little bit about um, this season thus far. And when I look at the schedule, uh, you know, I, I think the Wofford game remains the, the one issue for Carolina. I, I mean, you can't really lose that game. And I think nine and four looks a heck of a lot better than eight and five. Um, you know, but still the scoring issues. There were times last night against Yale where it's just dribble, 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 and, and then somebody put up a crazy shot. What I'm having a hard time understanding as I watch it is these guys are still North Carolina basketball players. And granted, they're not as good as Carolina's had in the past, but when you see other teams be able to execute what they're trying to do and you know they don't have the talent, what's the issue? that you've seen thus far in the first 13 games of the season. What, you know, aside from the talent issue, it just seems bigger than that at times for this North Carolina team. 
Yeah, there's a lot of little things that go into it, but far and away, there's just not a lot of good shooters on this team. And I think the game against Yale kind of gives you a, a perfect example of that. Uh, Brandon Robinson took 18 shots. Justin Pierce, grad transfer, we've already talked about, took 11 shots. And Garrison Brooks, who is a defensive stopper, took 11 shots. Those are your three primary shot takers in this game. Uh, and that's that's the issue, is that uh, those guys took the most shots because those guys are your best scoring options. And none of those guys are uh, built in a mold to be the primary scorer for, for any team at this level. Um, B-Rob scored 20 points, career high, and yes, had a career high five three-pointers, uh, but he was 7 of 18 from the floor. And that kind of you know, typifies what, what North Carolina has done this year. I mean, when they, they shoot 36.6%, you're like, yeah, that's not good, but it's really not far off their average. And that's true. I mean, they're, they're shooting 40.1% from the, from the floor this year, 29.9% from three. Uh, the 40.1, I'm not exactly sure where that, that ranks all time. That's got to be near the, near the bottom. But I know that 29.9 from three is certainly at the bottom by a significant margin. Uh, and so that, that's the primary issue. Now, how do you, how do you counteract that? Well, what Roy Williams teams have always done is they've been very good offensive rebounding teams. Uh, and they were able to take advantage of that against Yale. They had a 14 to three second chance point margin. That's, that's why they were able to win that game. That's positive. However, uh, rebounding has, has been an issue for, for UNC of late, you know, coming into that game against Yale, they had a plus one rebounding margin in their previous seven games, which is really unheard of for Roy Williams team. So this team has to do a better job on the glass has to do a better job on the offensive glass so they can get those easy putbacks. Another positive uh, we saw against Yale, and we also saw it against Ohio State, was they were finally able to create some, some turnovers and get out in transition, get some easy buckets. Uh, Jeremiah Francis has played a key role in that. That's, that's significant, uh, but they're not doing it enough. They're not pushing tempo the way Roy wants. They haven't been as successful forcing those turnovers. Those things have to occur. So if you're a bad shooting team, you, if you can score easy ones off the glass and you can score easy ones on the break, you can mitigate those shooting woes somewhat. But when you're struggling in those areas as well as shooting the ball, everything just kind of collapses. And that's where North Carolina has to rely so much on their defense. I'm curious to see as we get into ACC play, kind of the meat of it, uh, does North Carolina's defense stay intact in terms of how quality they've been? at least in terms of holding opponents to low shooting percentages. Uh, because if that, that continues, you know, once you get Cole back and you've got Francis playing well, maybe Baycock bounces back, uh, you, you've got enough there to be able to win some of these games. Uh, but if the defense kind of gets lax, which we've seen at times throughout the years for, for Roy Williams' teams, then you're going to get into some problem areas. Um, but I don't, I don't know, Tommy, I don't know that you can correct uh, poor shooting issues if you're just not a uh, good shooting team to begin with. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, I don't want to say fascinating to watch, um, to see the issues. Like I said, I mean, even lesser teams get good looks. And they and Carolina gets a fair number of good looks, but 
it kind of reminds me a lot of times, Greg, in, especially in the Yale game, but in the past, uh, Dean Smith and Roy Williams have always said, you're open for a reason. And Roy Williams always says, you know, be tough enough to make shots. Carolina's got to get it, got to get it handled. I think they need to pound it inside the Brooks more. Here's something I saw quite often, Greg, and I know you pay attention to this stuff. The entry passes, the timing of the entry passes. We've talked about it with Dewey and Dewey explained the issue. But even when Carolina had opportunities to get the ball inside, even Justin Pierce was open a lot more than uh, he got the ball. It's just not getting there. I think Francis will help that. Um, but for me, that's another shocking thing for a team that lives going inside first, whether it's throwing the ball in there late, whether it's getting it on the wrong side, whether it's not putting it in the correct position on the right side. I mean, that for me, watching this North Carolina team, that's probably one of the biggest things off this season that I've ever seen. Yeah, and, and to me, that really speaks to the inexperience of this club. And you know, we talk about it a lot in football, Tommy. But as a as a player, you have to learn your job and what you're supposed to do first and foremost. And once you establish a confidence in what you are supposed to do on the basketball court, at that point in time, then you can really focus on your teammates. And I think Garrison Brooks is an excellent example of that. You know, his first year and a half, really, uh, he he kind of looked lost out there, and, and people were kind of helping him along, like, hey, you got to do this, and you got to be here, and you got to do these things. And what happened at the end of last year is he finally got to the point, he's like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm finally talking with my teammates, and I'm asking them, how do you want to be screened? You know, how would you like to, uh, you, where, how do you pass best into the post where I can set up appropriately to kind of, kind of help facilitate that relationship? You know, how, how does my teammate in the post like to operate in the high low? That's really learning your teammates and understanding what they want because you have that foundation for yourself and that, that streamlines everything. And I really see when you're, when you're watching, you know, Keeling's you know, a great example He's still trying to fill himself out and understand exactly what he needs to do to gain trust from the coaching staff. Uh, and, and within that, from there, you, you go to trying to figure out how you can best help your teammates. I think we're still seeing some of that. Um, and then the other aspect too, Tommy, I, I, I feel this needs to be touched on. People, people look at this roster and say, well, yeah, you've only got two McDonald's All-Americans uh, and, and Cole and Baycott who are freshmen, but there's a, there's a number of guys that were highly recruited. You know, I think B Rob was the, is the third highest recruit on this roster. I think he was number 60 coming out, which is pretty low for, you know, what North Carolina is used to, but people need to understand that, you know, when, when Roy recruits a lot of times for a lot of these players, he, he's trying to put them in certain positions and trying to say, okay, well, this, this guy's probably going to be like a role player. And that's why he's, he's rated lower than uh, maybe some of these other guys. Whereas you know, there are guys who are 75th, 80th in the country who are scorers. And that's you, they're, they're designed to be a guy that can come in and just put up shots for a lower-level team, but maybe don't have the ability to play that kind of role at an ACC school. Yet when you get, you get a guy like Garrison Brooks, for example, you're not bringing him in, regardless of his ranking, expecting him to be this dynamic offensive scorer. That's not who he is. He has the potential to be a very good defensive player, and he has proven that. If he, he, he's getting to a point now, he's, he's pretty much a double-double machine. He's very good in the post defensively. That's, that's an important part of the equation. 
but you can't all of a sudden say, okay, well, we'll be Rob. You're the guy now go be our scorer when that has never been his role at any point of his life. And the same with Brooks. Like, hey, now you've got to figure out, you got to get some post moves this offseason, Garrison, because you're going to be the guy offensively for us. That's not how it works. Uh, and so there's a lot of role players on this team who are having to step up into roles they're not accustomed to. And that's where the confidence issues come from. And that's, that's also where a lot of the scoring issues come from. Yeah, indeed. Looking at Garrison Brooks, I mean, he's 12.3 on the season, eight and a half rebounds. That's about where we've had him yep. slotted his entire career. I mean, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's had a great year, for sure. Yep. He is, uh, when he's in fully engaged, he's fun to watch. And his counterpart, and I think uh, Montrose and Jones Angel and Dave Nathan made a, discussed it after the game last night, and I listened to it going home, is, it's tough for Roy Williams to play Brooks and Baycott together this season just because um, it, it's not working. And I think a lot of that is Baycott's issues. I think the injury, um, even though he came right back, I think that had a big impact. Folks forget that and not everybody, because a lot of people, you got kids like Francis and Harris that have been through injuries, but a lot of these guys, have never really been injured their entire careers. They get hurt really bad or have a bad incident that changes everything mentally, Greg. And I think Baycott's issues, while he's supremely talented, I think, and I think the Oregon game, I still can't believe it's the same player. Um, Speak to where you see Baycott's um, confidence going into ACC season um, and how he builds that back. Because ACC, if, if they have bad teams, even if they are bad teams, they usually have a couple bigs that can play. It's going to be like that way for, what, 18 straight ball games coming up. And the freshmen's got to start helping out Garrison Brooks. Yeah, and I, I think it's uh, incredible. I mean, like you say, the, the Oregon game, typically that type of performance against legitimate athletic bigs is enough to say, all right, I have arrived. I can do this, I can play at this level, and I can be dominant at this level. Because that's what he was uh, at the Atlantis. That was a a very solid, sound performance. And then he gets that injury, uh, and things have just kind of fallen off for him. And part of it is is foul trouble. But foul trouble, to me, is always – it's always either a guy not thinking, uh, not, not being smart in how he plays, or it's confidence. And I think with Baycott, it's certainly confidence. And I, I assume that stems from that, that ankle injury, uh, just because it I don't know if it makes him tentative initially or whatever, but he's kind of fallen down this rabbit hole. And there's been a couple games now where he's gotten into foul trouble early and has just not ever been able to get back into the groove of the game. Uh, and he's such a big, long guy that he's going to be able to get rebounds for you, which, which is clearly a positive but they, they need his scoring. And, um, you know, as we said, Brooks is not a guy that you're really going to count on to be your primary scorer, especially in the post. Uh, he can help you out and he can do some good things. Baycott's got to be that guy. Baycott has the offensive skill set uh, to consistently give you a lot of points. And I, I agree with you. If, if he doesn't bounce back and, and start playing a lot better in ACC play, this team is going to struggle to get to the NCAA tournament. Um, and so how you know, Williams has, has always done a great job with his bigs and 
no doubt, given the time, he'll do the same with Baycott. Uh, but he's certainly in a funk right now. And uh, I, th- I think it starts with him. Um, he, he's got to be confident in what he's doing. And Brooks, I think Brooks is a very heady player. And so if Brooks can do something to help Baycott, I think he's going to be able to do that. Um, and so I, I get those two not really working together very well right now, especially in the high-low. I understand all that. Uh, but I think Brooks will be able to set up Baycott. Baycott just has to take advantage of the opportunity. You know, too many times he's trying to post up uh, several feet off the block. That's not going to get it done. You know, he, he needs to be more uh, aggressive and setting up low. He needs to be tougher, all those kind of things. And, again, you go back to Oregon game. I mean, he did all those things perfectly well. And the way that he bounced back after that ankle, that's toughness. I mean, there was no way that kid should be playing at Virginia. But he came back and played because his team needed him. That's toughness. Uh, so, so we know he has his attributes. He's just got to put it all together. Yeah, it's in there for sure. Um, it needs to come out in a hurry. I'm going to take a one last break, come back. We're going to look ahead to what Carolina's got facing them over the next uh, three, four weeks of the ACC season. We'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We're back inside Carolina podcast on the beat podcast. I've got Greg Barnes with me. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Greg, looking at the schedule, and we mentioned it earlier in the show, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Clemson, all at home, then at Pitt, at Virginia Tech. I think most Carolina fans will circle the Clemson game on January the 11th. But first things first, Georgia Tech comes in and then Pitt, I mean, Carolina's got an opportunity to get off to a good start in the ACC. What has to happen for this team um, these next three games? I mean, if you got three in the Smith Center against those teams, they've got to be W's. The question is, can people stay healthy? Can people get more confident? And can Rory Williams fashion um, a plan for this squad going into the first week of January? Yeah, well, I think it starts with defense. Um you know, as we touched on earlier, we're past the point of saying, okay, this game, this team's just going through some tough shooting woes. This is not a good shooting team. And so when you know that, you have to buckle down defensively and you have to capitalize uh, in the areas where you can. And we, we know that to be rebounding. Uh, there's the potential there for that to be transitioned just because of how Roy Williams runs his, his offense. Uh, so you have to be good in those key areas. You have to cut down turnovers and you have to force turnovers. Um, so basically what we're talking about is you, you're trying to create as many extra possessions as you possibly can because you need those extra possessions because uh, it's going to take you more shots to score the points you typically do. 
but but it all begins on the, the defensive end, and that is in uh, doing a better job defending the three, which they've done a pretty good job of, uh, although it's, it has been inconsistent at times. Having Baycott in the middle helps as a rim protector. Uh, and then you've got to, you do have to do a little bit better job on the defensive glass, although they've, they've been pretty good at times this year, just not against kind of the elite teams. But I really think when you look at these first three games, really first four games, with Georgia Tech, Pitt, Clemson, and then at Pitt. Uh, you have to capitalize here because those are games that are ones you pretty much check off as wins, but you don't have Cole Anthony. Uh, and you know, looking at, at Ken Pomeroy's site, he has North Carolina projected currently to go 10-10 and in ACC play. I don't think 10-10 and is good enough for this team to get the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to have to win you know, at least – 11 games in conference uh, to really be under consideration unless they have a, you know, a good run in, uh, in, in Greensboro for the ACC tournament. And so we're talking about a very thin margin of error. And I really do. I, I think you have to win these first three for sure. And it's going to be easier said than done. I mean, none of these teams are, are great. But, I mean, looking at, at Ken Palm, for example, uh, they, they pro- he projects Pittsburgh to win against Carolina in Pittsburgh. So that kind of tells you how thin that, that margin of error is. There's a lot of uh, tough games on the road ahead. So you really have to capitalize. And I, I think the first three weeks of January is going to give us a really good indication of whether or not this team can challenge for the NCAA tournament or not. Because if they lose a couple of these games, that is a, a tough road to try to uh, bounce back on. And that's, a, that's a tough hill to climb. Yeah, it's rare that Carolina has their back against the wall and it's not even January yet. We'll be tomorrow. Georgia Tech on Saturday is the first step in that process. I agree with you. I don't – 10 and 10 puts them, what, 17 and – 14. 17 and 14. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, if they get the, the legacy pick, especially with Cole Anthony, like I believe Oklahoma might have gotten a couple of years ago with Trey Young – but uh, yeah, better than ten and ten. I think anything better than ten and ten, and they're in. But they'll have yeah. a hard time getting there if they if they don't sweep the next three. It's going to be bubble watch at best for the rest of the season. Potentials there. Last question, Greg. Roy Williams tied Dean Smith last night. He clearly does not like the attention about that, um, but he sort of acknowledged some of the accomplishments and acknowledging his friends and the Carolina family. Um, how do you think this next win, whenever it comes for North Carolina is going to be for Roy Williams personally? Yeah, I, th- I would say probably tying Dean um, is, is kind of reaching that point. Cause once you tie him, I mean, you know, you're going to, you're going to pass him at some point. Um, and I think being on level footing with Dean from a wins perspective, um, I, I think, I think that was the big one for Roy. Um, but I do think, you know, when, when you talk about Roy Williams and the way he's just consistently downplayed uh, the wins total, that really speaks to who he is, but it really speaks to who Dean was. And I, I think that's that's in talking with former players, you know, back when uh, when Coach Smith died back in February of 15, uh, you constantly heard, you know, I mean, yeah, he, he, he taught us through basketball. That was kind of his vehicle of, of, of choice that he was able to, uh, kind of get us to grow to be better men. And Roy's players say the same thing. 
And that's what Roy has always said about Dean. So building that Carolina family, uh, maintaining it, and really helping these young men uh, grow into into better people. That's that's really what those guys were about. And so uh, it, it is a it is a milestone. And we're such a, a numbers driven industry that we put such an emphasis on those those kinds of things. Um, but it's about far more than the numbers with with those two. And so and that's that's why Roy kind of balks. He loves the wins. He loves championships. All those kinds of things. But he's not judging himself against Dean Smith by looking at, at wins and losses by, by no stretch. You know, he, he has a much higher standard that he's trying to, to coach to, uh, and, and wins and losses do not begin to scratch that surface. And so I think that's, that's really where it kind of hits. And that's why Roy said, you know, it's just a number. Uh, and the reason he stayed out on the court is because it is a big deal to you know, his players and his assistants and his family and, and the Tar Heel fan base. Uh, but for him, you know, he's he's just trying to emulate what what his mentor did, uh, and so when he does, you know, pass Dean, which you know whether it be Saturday or or Wednesday or or, or next week, uh, I, I think he'll appreciate it and uh, he'll enjoy it. But but it, you know, it, it's by no means for him. It by no means suggests that he's surpassed Dean in in anything. Yeah, he has been consistent with that saying. Uh, it's a number, but Dean Smith was on a different plane than everybody else. And uh, yep. I think it remains that way and always will. That's Greg Barnes. I've been your host, Tommy Ashley. You've been listening to Inside Carolina Podcast on the Beat, our weekly show with Inside Carolina's beat writer, the best beat writer in the game. We'll be back next week do the same thing. Greg, as always, a pleasure. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.